The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Sports Drink Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Ladies and gentlemen, we know it's been a while, but we are back for another edition of The Bird Calls. I'm David Grubb, your host, and I'm joined by two of our usual cast of characters in David Fisher and our editor-in-chief at thebirdrights.com, Mr. Ali Cosell. We are also joined today by uh, the teacher on the come-up, Mr. Charlie Gonzalez. (laughs) 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 Yeah, big congratulations to Charlie. And maybe if, Charlie, you want to mention it real quick, you can for the, you know, listeners. But if not, I understand. I am simply a humble educator that is that is can that that has presented a, a another opportunity, and I'm excited to continue on that journey and spread more Pelicans propaganda in the process. <laughs> there you um, go. I'll be. I didn't even think all... of that. You're right. You're going to a different school district. You're right. You can infect another 150 new kids. <laughs> oh, I have got I've got all sorts of Pel's stuff that's going right up on the walls right over there. It's so. Um, and the, and I'm sure that the students I'm leaving, they're almost certainly going to be rooting against the Pelicans very hard uh, in the near future. So there's going to be this massive uh, swing from one side of the city to the other of, of hatred and love for the, the Pelicans. So that's going to be interesting. If you think of any humorous like Pelicans classroom materials you want to put up, I can lay them out for you. We can knock that out, man. Well, that's so a good have, idea. You know, you could have stuff like that you want to, like, you know, Demonstrate things. You want to demonstrate effort. You know, you put one Pelicans play. You want to demonstrate inconsistency in class. You put up Jackson Hayes' picture. Jackson Hayes going right up. Yep. <laughs> you know, one of those motivational posters. I'm going to start labeling you get the Jackson Hayes for today. Yep. Just give him an award. I need the underachiever. Hand. Like, yeah. hey, kid, man, you, you didn't bring in the effort today. You know, we saw flashes. You gave me you gave me five questions out of the gate right, and then 20 wrong. Like, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I know people get mad when we do this, so we kind of pick on him. But it was interesting today because I don't know if you guys saw it in the group chat, and I don't think, Fish, you did. But it came up that Todd Gibson is coming back for another year in the NBA. And Todd is 37 years old, one of the oldest players in the league. God almighty. And um, I was looking at his per 36 and his per 100s for last year. They're better than Jackson Hayes in every area except for scoring. Not surprising. It's, it's insane. <laughs> Like he, I mean, he played 20 games fewer than Jackson and had almost as many blocks and steals and, uh, uh, it's, it, and almost as many rebounds, only a hundred fewer rebounds. Yeah. But see how many highlights did he have? And how many Instagram times did he post on Instagram? Yeah. <laughs> you, you wouldn't even know Taj Gibson. Like, I don't, I don't know if you would Taj recognize- Gibson doesn't have Instagram. I refuse to believe that. <laughs> I don't even know if you'd recognize Taj Gibson's voice. If you heard it, <laughs> if I, I played, up, you know what right I just now. noticed? Taj Gibson shot 39.5% from three last year. Uh-huh. So add yeah. that to the pot, right? 
Right. How many attempts? I mean, Let me see. 15 to 38. Taj Gibson last year from three. Had no, no idea. Yeah, he only played 40 games. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not like he's asked to shoot a lot. But, I mean, to go 15 for 38, whatever. And I like I said, yeah, he, he almost averaged, averaged a three a game attempt. Yeah, made yeah. almost half of them. And look That's at his cool. blocks. Look at his I mean, steals. He, he was He's still an active rebounder at, at age 37. And he played fewer minutes. You know what I'm saying? Like his rebound rate is higher. It's it's these are the things that frustrate yeah, he you. He jumps about. like six inches off the ground now. Yeah, but he boxes out and he sets mm-hmm. screens and he's you in know? the right spot defensively. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you know, so it's it's those kinds of things. And I think that as we get into this conversation about summer league in just a second, those are the things that we're talking about because that's what you're really looking for out of these players. But first, the biggest news, of course, over the past couple of weeks has been Zion Williams signing his extension. Um, the first Pelicans rookie to give the full extension in the history of the franchise, really. Yeah. In the history of the franchise going all the way back since it got here from, from Charlotte, um, no rookie had gotten a max extension deal um, with the team. Their second deal was not a full term deal. And then for Zion to do it in a place like um, the Dryads YMCA, which means something to a lot of people in new Orleans, uh, particularly the African-American community, um, there has been this embracing, it feels like Zion, not going out of his way. It didn't feel unnatural, but there has been, since he's been healthy and his mood has been up, it feels like there's been this this greater effort on his part to embrace New Orleans. Um, and going back to similar things that he did as a rookie before uh, that started to fall apart um, his rookie year. But Fish, let's start with the finances of this. Let's talk about where it puts the Pelicans now. Um, what it means for their immediate future salary cap wise, what it means potentially in trying to add some of these rookies, uh, making sure they get all their rookies on under, under contract. They've gotten uh, their first round pick obviously signed um, in Dyson Daniels, but go ahead and give the, the, the salary uh, and business side ramifications of Zion's new deal. Um, so um, I mean, Zion's new deal, I've, I've always been pricing them in at essentially 25% of the cap going forward um, has no effect this season. Obviously um, beginning next season, the Pelicans are potentially into the luxury tax um, regardless of if, you know, he hits the escalators. Um, what the escalators mean um, for those of that are, that are unfamiliar um, Zion's contract would go from being 25% of the cap next beginning next year to 30 percent of the cap Mm -hmm. um if he either makes the an all nba team or he wins defensive player of the year or he wins mvp um now we haven't got the full information on that in terms of I've, i've we've seen other people's contracts where if you make the third team it only goes up to 27.5 all of that's negotiable. Um, and, it, you know, if you make the first team all NBA, it goes all the way up to 30. That's one way they could have done it, or they could do it just he makes third team all NBA, he gets the 30%. Um, so so there's, there, there's ways that that can be done. There's also injury protections. The exact details of that have not been completely spelled out. I don't think um, we'll ever but, get those. But from what, from what, you know, the people in the know have said it's Embiid-esque and the Embiid protections essentially were if he has injuries, et cetera, 
it decreases um, the amount guaranteed on future seasons. Um, and it really doesn't, it doesn't de decrease the amount of the salary um, if the Pelicans don't agree to waive them. So it's really, it's just a nuclear option that probably almost never gets used, but mm -hmm. um, the Pelicans are protected in case he has some kind of like career ending injury um, is essentially how it's written um, or, you know, how the MB protections written. So um, right now the Pelicans have 15 players under contract because Dyson Daniels has signed his um, rookie contract. He did that before the Pelicans took the court last night. Um, the Pelicans have not reported to have signed EJ Liddell yet to his contract. My expectation um, going into the draft was that the Pelicans would probably sell the second round picks. Um, that did not happen because EJ Liddell fell down to 41. Um, I, my expectation at this point is that EJ Liddell is going to get a real NBA contract. Mm -hmm. um, I'm surprised, honestly, that he played a summer league game without having that already signed. Um, typically, most of the second round guys that are higher second round guys have it signed before they take the court, just in case, you know, injuries happen, as we saw with Dyson Daniels. And we'll talk about that more later. Um, but the Pelicans, since they have 15 players under contract, um, they have to open a spot one way or another if they want to sign EJ Liddell to an actual NBA contract and not a two-way contract. Um, they have time because they don't have to cut down to 15 full contracts until about a week before the regular season tips off. Um, so they could sign him to one now with just the expectation is that between now and October, we're going to actually open up the spot. Um, the easiest way to do that, um, to get very uncomplicated, is they can just waive or buy out um, Garrett Temple. He can move to his um, position as an assistant coach, which essentially is what he's been for the past five months anyways. Um, if the Pelicans can uh, get him to agree to a buyout, that reduces the amount of his salary cap hit. They could do something where he agrees to a buyout of, I don't know, however many dollars, but that that amount also happens to be his new assistant coaching salary. So um, all that would do is it would just open up more space underneath the luxury tax. Um, if they don't do any kind of buyout at all and they sign EJ Liddell to a, a standard um, second, um, you know, second round pick kind of lottery, I mean, not lottery, a second round pick contract, um, in that case, they're probably going to be about $2 million under the luxury tax um, going into this season, um, which is my expectation. It's the cleanest, easiest way to do it. Other ways, trades and stuff like that, but I'm not really worried about um, opining on the other ways that they can do that outside of saying they could do a trade where they trade out more players than they receive in, and thus they open a roster spot. Ali um, and Charlie... What it you know as far as that roster spot goes, I, it feels like you know the way that they talked about EJ Liddell at the uh, introductory press conference, you know the value that they saw in him, the fact that they talked about if he had come out last year, he would have been likely their target uh, in the draft. Uh, you know, along with Herb Jones, and it, it's it's very interesting to to see that relationship and certainly the way that they took care of Herb, and we were kind of surprised at how the, the Pelicans jumped out and gave Herb a real NBA deal as a second rounder right out the gate. Um, 
do you think that they they make that move to get Temple out of the way? Or um, and like I said, I don't think we need to go deep into the speculation. But is Temple the most likely guy? And would you think that Liddell, if he doesn't get this deal done before um, the end of summer league, that maybe he's played his last game already? I'll let you go first, Charles. I'm very curious. Like you said, Grub, you mentioned all those points about how the fact that they seem extremely keen on him. They they have talked him up as a significant amount. And we have seen them handsomely reward uh, a second-round pick just last year with um, with regards to Herb. And I think that Liddell fits the profile of exactly what you want. Uh, he's the kind of guy that seems like he would come in here and be a long-term fit. So maybe it is Temple. I think that they – it seemed to me that they were trending towards figuring out a way to move Devontae um, for a few weeks. There were so many, like, kind of, like, rumors. It was mentioned, uh, you know, in articles here and there as far as uh, Devontae maybe being going on the way somewhere, hither or yon. But obviously with his current situation, that's kind of up in the air. So maybe now it is kind of uh, where they, they look to really push on Temple because I just don't think they're going to pull the trigger on any sort of Jack's situation, um, even though he seems like the, the next candidate. Um, I don't think they're willing to just cut him or wave him or anything like that. And I just don't know if he has much value around the league beyond an expiring contract. Um, it, just because he's just so inconsistent, like we joked about at the beginning, um, he's fine. Uh, and so Temple kind of is the odd man out here, and maybe he ends up getting that because I do think Liddell could actually be a legitimate basketball player that could help this team. And that seems, you know, like the most important thing to find uh, versus having Garrett Temple, you know, occasionally come in once in a blue moon. And good lord, uh, it's always an adventure when Temple's in the court. So. <laughs> Ollie. Yeah, I find the whole situation interesting because Jackson Hayes and Gar- um, not Garrett Temple, uh, Devontae Graham, they're in Las Vegas. Well, actually, so is Garrett Temple, right? Sharing on the team. So I feel right? like yeah. they're still very much a part of the team. So I'm beginning to wonder. We haven't heard much about, honestly, um, a two-way contract, which they have one still available. Could it be possible that EJ Liddell gets that second one, right? Darren Sebron's got one, but They've never penciled in somebody for the second one yet. So I don't know. It's, it's just interesting because you're right, Fish. They made a point of signing Dyson Daniels right before Summer League started, but they didn't do anything with Liddell. So it makes me wonder, is he slotted for that two-way contract? Because it doesn't seem like one of those three guys that we've been talking about for two months now and getting him off this roster somehow, that's going to be happening, especially anytime soon. So I don't know what to make of it. I'll be honest with you. I'm surprised. Because I thought that the Liddell deal would be done because he's already a kid who, you know, you tell him you love him. And, and again, we, this is business. <laughs> but you tell him you love him, he slid all the way to the second round. And it's kind of – it, it's almost the exact same thing as her Because Herb was a guy that the Pelicans valued as a first-round selection with him. And they made sure that that deal got done. Now, the roster situation clearly is different because of the guarantees – and that you have 15 guys already on the roster. But it seems to me it was clear the decision was made for everybody at, at you know, like the last five months that Garrett was not part of the rotation. And as you look at it going forward, 
everything that you would have said on the court that of whatever value he brings, there's someone else who does that. It's not like his contract is a, is this huge albatross. If you're this close to the tax, if you're this close to all these things, and the NBA is going to get more money because, as we've seen, their basketball revenue almost doubled, almost doubled from where it was two years ago. I think that they're going to be okay here. I just it's just surprising to me because you when you see what happened and, and we'll just talk about this part quickly with Dyson Daniels, we see him get he sprained his ankle and the x-rays are negative and that's cool and that's important. But if Liddell is a guy that you believe in, especially as a defender, which is the thing that this team can never have enough of, it seems you'd want to give him some security at this point. Well, it does not the the Herb situation. Now, granted, let's not say that we expect EJ Liddell to become Herb Jones right out the gate or something like that. Right. But but I feel like just the Herb, the success of Herb last year really should give them some credibility as far as like, hey, we want to give this guy a contract. We need to, you know, do X, Y, and Z, eat Temple here and there. Like, I feel like that that has some credibility, in this, especially and Jose. Like, I mean, that matters too. Obviously, he wasn't a pick. But having the two of them and the success from last year really does give them some, you know, cachet with regards to if they want to add, go go to ownership and say, this is what we need done. Can we get this done right away so we can get this guy in a real contract uh, similar to what Herb got? Fish, let me get your thought on this. What about Najee? Now, because Najee's number is not super high, he's another guy that maybe in the rotation could get lost. And as we get deeper into his play, but is he, do you think he's potentially a candidate to get released? Because like you said, I mean, well, this is his now third year in summer league. And is he a potentially a guy that gets released and the Pelicans say, Hey, if something goes down, we'll give you our first call. But Liddell is a guy that they'd rather get invest in now. Fish? Ollie, you want to get that shot? I, 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 <laughs> what's that? I said, I think that's a good Charles answer. Fish. It really does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with Najee, I know they, we all wanted to see some improvement, especially, of course, just looking in last night's game. Najee still looked like the same guy, so he's an easy guy to point a finger at, maybe, especially if you're on social media. So you kind of notice who the fans were irate with. Najee was one of them, but I don't think so, David, to answer your question. I know he's got, what, I think two years left. Just this season upcoming is guaranteed mm-hmm. at about $1.8 million or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, no, I don't think that that's, you know, even in the realm of thought because without a doubt, I think you move off of Garrett Temple first. If not, find that trade for, like, we've been trying to do with Jackson Hayes or Devontae. But as far as just, you know, pushing Najee out, sign Liddell for that same price. No, I, I don't think that's an option they're considering at all. Well, yeah, I wasn't proposing it. Go ahead, Charlie. I was just like, you know, we've seen a lot of, I mean, there's just gobs of speculation in part because of Durant and everything going on um, around the league. But like, is there, is there even like someone out there that, that seems like a realistic, like two for one? I know that I saw something yesterday about like the jazz with Bogdanovich and stuff like that. But like, I feel like, there's got to be somebody out there because there's so many teams that are trying to tank. Like there just are. And there's got to be somebody that could, that would be okay doing a Devonte and Jacks for, you know, X player. That's like just, you know, a solid rotation, whatever. 
that you I just think get. it won't happen before. It, I don't think anything really happens before somebody gets hurt in preseason. That's fair. I'm, I mean, yeah. I, I just – I don't believe any – like, you know, teams just did their draft. They haven't gotten to look at anybody yet. They don't know what their teams have – they haven't gotten practice yet. And I think that's once teams – coaches start saying, well, we, we need this. Or owners mm-hmm. look at their team, you know, general managers and executives look at the team and say, oh, we're going to suck. You know, it's like, <laughs> then then I think those decisions start getting made. The same with Durant. I think all those kinds of deals – I don't see any major deals happening now. This is not that summer. You know what I mean? Like there's not this, mm-hmm. this, I think everybody now, when you look around the league, even with Golden State winning the championship last year, now it feels like in the West, there might be six or seven teams who say, we think we can win the West. In the East, there might be five teams that legitimately think we can win the East. So nobody, I don't think is going to be in this dive to make a big deal to grab back of the rotation players right now. That's my mind. Can you guys hear me now? Is it working? Yes, we can. Okay. So, did you did you get the question? Yeah. Well, no. I'm jumping back to the one that I was trying to answer on Najee. If the Pelicans okay. waive Najee, any team essentially could claim him, and any team you know that could that could use his kind of depth and his restricted rights going into next summer, or the option to you know pick up the team option and have him again for another really cheap year. Um, I, I think he would be. Like, if you waive him, what's going to happen? Like, the Lakers, I mean, he's essentially like a minimum contract. Like, I think right. even the Lakers could try, could um, try to claim him. Like, it wouldn't make any sense. And, I mean, Najee played, like, minutes that mattered down the stretch for the Pelicans. Yeah. Like, just because he has one bad Summer League game. Like, Summer League vaguely appears to be basketball, but it's not NBA basketball. No, and let's, so let's get into the game then. You know, Pelicans lose the the summer league opener, eighty five sixty eight to Portland. Um, you look at the at just the raw numbers, and it was just it's it's like you said, it, it's something resembling basketball. You know, the Pelicans did not shoot the ball well, <clears throat> except anywhere except from at the free throw line. I mean, they shot twenty eight percent from the floor. It just it twelve point nine percent from three. Tennessee as a team, um, and six of those <laughs> belong to Najee Marshall. No one else on the team had more than one assist except for Dyson Daniels, who had two but only got to play eight minutes. So, yeah, that was not, uh, to me, you know, the thing we were looking for last year, and I'll let you guys rip off of this. The thing we were looking for last year was Summer League. This is the difference, and I mentioned this to you last night in chat. Willie Green was on the bench last year. Willie Green was trying to The sit. whole coaching staff, I think, right. was on the bench last but year. But yeah. the main thing was Willie was there. Mm-hmm. Because he was setting his tone for the guys. He was figuring what it was going to be out for himself as a head coach. How? What's my personality going to be? How am I going to connect to these guys? And the one thing that we heard throughout that summer league last year was it wasn't about the fact that the Pelicans won their games by a bigger margin than anybody else. It wasn't the fact they went 5-0. and oh. It was the way in which they played. And that was driven primarily by four guys. The four guys that <laughs> ended up showing you that you know over the course of the year it ended up being Herb, Jose, Trey, and Najee. This year Herb is not there. Jose is not there. There isn't really a point guard on this summer league roster outside of Dyson Daniels and again we only got to see him in his first fledgling minutes of his NBA career before he sprained his ankle. He's not going to play again. This is the not Pelicans the same. looked very and the Pelicans looked very competent 
when Dyson Daniels was out there getting stuff mm-hmm. where it needed to be. Yes. And they just after that the ball doesn't move, and it's and Najee to get his assist. It's it's a like he did last year. He was the leading assist guy on the team last year for, in most games because when he got in transition, he made good decisions. But he's not going to do that in half court. That's not his skill set. So they didn't have anybody to break the ball down. They didn't have guys to make the decisions. You have Jared Harper who was just chucking. Your guards are all just chucking. And I, I think overall it's not the same team. So I think people's judgments last night talking about well you got to you know being overreactive. No, it's it, what are you looking for? The players that you're looking for. And Fish, you always say this. Most of these guys are going are either competing to be 12th men or G League players or European players. 99% of these guys you're never going to hear from again till the next summer league. I just think it's it's it, it wasn't as bad as people want to make it. Um, Fish, I'll let you go first. Well, I mean, I mean, just jumping off of number one, when the when Dyson was out there, the Pelicans looked very good because they had somebody that could kind of organize things. Um, and the reason that the Pelicans were so good last year. I mean, yes, Willie was on the bench, but I don't think the Pelicans were better in summer league last year than this year because of the downgrade from Willie to Jaron Collins at all. No, I'm, I think I'm just the saying, issue is, yeah. yeah. But I, I, I know what you're saying, but I, the biggest issue is the fact that, I mean, the Pelicans were starting Kyra Lewis and then had Jose Alvarado coming off the bench exactly. last year. Mm-hmm. They had guys who, as we saw in the regular season and then, you know, into the playoffs for Jose Alvarado, like guys that can give you NBA competence at the point guard position right now. And they had two of those guys. And that's why those are the teams that, you know, look good to a, to a general extent in summer league is if you just have, you know, the guy who's actually supposed to create shots for himself and for others, out there doing that thing, um, everything else kind of falls into place. And as soon as they said, you know, Jose Alvarado at least wasn't going to play Saturday, um, and then Dyson, you know, rolls his ankle, and and then you don't have, like, Jared Harper wasn't out there to play point guard at all. Jared Harper's just a tiny shooting guard that's out there to, you know, do his best Mana Ellis impersonation, and he's going to get these shots up. Um, And so I, I don't take too much away from that. But man, those first like 15 minutes or so when, you know, of game time and the first eight minutes we got to see a Dyson Daniels, I was um, very impressed and very um, excited about what it means for the future. Ollie? Yeah, to jump off what Fish said, I counted that Dyson Daniels should have had at least five assists in those eight minutes he played. Pell's missed a whole bunch of easy shots, guys. So think about after Daniels misses the very first shot of the game, right? Takes a long three, which was a good shot, I think, because he was in rhythm. We talked about in our group chat. He just missed it. But then after that, you know, Trey missed an open look. Najee was wide open, missed one. And there was a couple other passes from Dyson that just weren't converted, whether because a guy got fouled, like, for instance, Carlo Matkovic. He, um, he played hard, but I'll tell you what, the guy's not ready for the NBA. He uh, had a couple, I think, illegal Ds called defensive uh, uh, rulings against him. He wasn't in making the proper rotation. So either way, he was kind of a net negative on the court. But Dyson, to go to Fish's point about directing traffic, he absolutely did do that. If you guys look, and I went and double-checked today, uh, right at in four minutes in, he uh, the ball, ball comes up the court. 
it's not transition, so the Pels are in the half-court offense. And Dyson's directing for E.J. Liddell, who's playing the five. He was set up at the top of the uh, free throw line to go into the corner and switch with the backup center. I forget what his name is, Tyreek or something like that. I Number saw 36. that play, yeah. Yeah, okay. So you caught that. So he called mm-hmm. that switch, and then he immediately made a move uh, because the defense was really trying to trap him up top of key, went left, and then hit John Petty. Real quick pass, first three of the game for the Pels. He had a lot of cerebral plays like that. So to go to Fish's point, I loved everything I saw. And I think that was going to be the plan for this whole summer league. Mm-hmm. I think the reason there's no point guards outside of Jose Alvarado, legitimate point guards, is because they want a Dyson to play that role throughout these five games. And now it doesn't look like it's going to happen. So I'm not sure what team we're going to see other than it's probably going to be discombobulated a lot. No way you're going to be playing Jose Alvarado a lot, right? There's no reason to push him in that mercy duty. So I'm not going to take too much going forward, but it's a shame. But I think Dyson Daniels, we saw the defense, right? You guys saw how speed, you can't get past the guy. If you do happen to beat him, guess what? He's got, he's going to catch you in about a second and a half because he's going to find a spot he's got to run to to cut you off to make sure he's back in front of you. Or, you know, just being that point of an attack defender. I thought he was incredible. Right, Portland couldn't get anything going offensively for the first five or so minutes of the game because Dyson was picking you up as soon as you brought the ball up the court. And then they were trying to do some dribble handoffs. Guess what? He was switching on every single person. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't get anywhere. So I'm excited as hell about Dyson Daniels. And never mind that what? He missed all the shots. I don't care about that. He grabbed an offensive rebound, couldn't get the put back. Doesn't matter. He's going to learn how to convert at the rim because there was one play in particular where I think it was that aha moment for him. You guys remember he had a drive down the lane. I think it was a cut, caught it, mm-hmm. did a behind-the-back dribble, um, got to the basically to the rim and tried to just lay it up easily with the left hand, got rejected. I don't think he's going to be doing that anymore. So I was excited about him, without a doubt. And I know we'll talk about other guys, or yeah. Charlie, I'll let you talk about Dyson now. Yeah, Charlie, I'm a big missed. Yeah, Charlie, because, like, the thing, you know, I, I think we've seen top three picks. We saw Jabari Smith upset with himself, you know, because he missed – a crap load of shots yesterday. We've seen Chet Holmgren at times miss some shots. We've seen Jay Nivey miss some shots at times. So Dyson is not expected to be the score. The thing for you know that we've always talked that, that we talked about before the draft is whoever the Pelicans drafted was that was the lowest thing on the priority list. But to me, to have a six-eight defender again, who's that point of the attack defender? Now you have mm-hmm. legitimate super value. You know, with her Trey. Jose and now Dyson, you have four legitimate at the point of attack defenders that you can count on. Charlie, it's <laughs> it's it's remarkable. Like I mean, I know we I know we joke about this all the time, but just we think back to the days of yore when you know we're having Etwan Morgard and Kevin Durant in the playoffs, <laughs> and it's just or the like, fact that Drew Holiday had to go- cover the entire yeah. Warriors team. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just they're all taller than six foot four. And, okay. except for Jose. I'm sorry. Uh, but Kyra. Jose plays but po- po- Jose plays bigger than that. And it's just like the switchability is all there. Like all of the modern, you know, buzzwords that you want to attach to it are all there. But they all give effort. They all are constantly moving. Just like what Ollie said with regards to Dyson was directing traffic on defense, uh, you know, in his first summer league game without mm-hmm. any sort of, like he's just comfortable. Like the guy's got great instincts. Um, everything that we saw on tape 
from the Ignite and from anything that he had done in Australia translated right away. It seemed he seemed very comfortable and at ease putting stuff together. And you're right, Ollie, he did seem a little too comfortable in attacking the basket one time he gets rejected. But mm-hmm. those are going to come. Like those are just learning, you know, growing pains. It, that's going to be fine. That dude can play defense. Like he is. I I, I messaged you all all today. He was talking about like I just I was watching just him again, and I just got this vibe of like that prime and early Clay Thompson with the way he's big and able to switch like one through three on the multiple positions and hang with all sorts of different kind of players defensively. Now he's faster, I think, than, than, than play, but he's not as, as big, like just physically, I think yet either. Um, and he's, he's totally different play. He's longer than mm-hmm. play. Yeah. And, and, he, and offensively, obviously he's entirely different, but as a defender, like, it's just like, man, thinking about him as a complimentary defender to what you already have with her. And, if that is your future backcourt flanked by B.I. and Zion, it's just like it's remarkable. Um, yeah, don't Vincent forget you can play is, Jose out there. With yeah, guys, exactly. Right? Just think about that as yeah. a pressure lineup it's, of those yeah. guys. Oh, my God. Like, Jose – I mean, Charlie, just riff on this, Charlie. Jose at point, Dyson at two. Like, if you put this guy as a second unit and you just want to run. Jose at point, Dyson at two. Herb at three, trade four, Zion at five, and just say go run, <laughs> and just yeah, just run, just I mean, press and run, or do bi or do Brandon Ingram and Nance. I mean, there's so many combinations. Yeah, but I, yeah, yeah, I'm just saying, like with those young guys that we're just talking about, you know, yeah, I mean, there's so many this combinations. The, give Willie a choice board or like some sort of like magic eight ball, and for his substitutions <laughs> one game, like against like I don't know. The, the the Spurs who are you know tanking so hard they they can't they might as well be getting fined every game. Just let him just pick, just roll it out, say what whatever the hell we want to do. We want to go super size point Zion lineup, play Trey at the two. Like it, all of it makes sense and none of it makes sense at this point. Uh, it's it's just ridiculous. The embarrassment of competency, I think, is like the, the embarrassment of riches of competency. That's where I feel like I'm just excited about. Um, because, like, we just haven't had that. Like, I know we've been talking about it as far as within our group, and it's been a, a topic on, like, you know, Pell's Twitter and stuff about, like, just, like, the depth of this team. And, you know, just adding Dyson, like, it, it, it's only one player, but it just it unlocks so much more to be able to add a guy that can guard one through three defensively consistently because i mean like what was that last year like that was naji it was basically like because they did it was or garrett temple well, think for, about for the God start sakes. of the year willie green was going to garrett temple right yeah because that's who we trusted the most now that's not going to have to happen no ever ever fingers <laughs> crossed ever. knock on wood yeah that's true i, I we got to be careful man we're gonna well, I mean, it's basketball, it's town, sports, but... <laughs> people get hurt. It's go- I mean, they're going to be games yeah. missed, we know this. But, yeah. uh, like, Garrett Temple's in position, like, if he's on the roster, he's he's certainly behind a thick, thick piece of glass with a hammer that is very far away from that glass. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're, you're, I'm trying to hold be, the laugh in, yeah. <laughs> it's got to be a dire emergency for you to break that glass. I mean, Thor's going to have to pick up that hammer to break that glass. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So... I mean, like you, the I think, and this is something last night that I think 
I hope you got everybody did all y'all listen to Trajan's interview during the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought that Trajan said number one, everything he said about Dyson was like I was, you know, again, a reaffirming their love for that guy. Like everything that he said, you know, we they the way he watched the play, he didn't mention his shooting once. All he talked about was his intelligence, his movement, all those things. But I thought the better thing was when he talked about the team as a whole. And Trajan said, for the first time since we got here, we now feel we can compete with every team in the NBA Mm -hmm. every night. Every night. That's the thing. It's been, we know the Pelicans going back to Alvin Gentry. We we always saw the Pelicans at Ollie. You know, your favorite thing was to say, look at their record against the top eight teams in the league. Mm-hmm. How many times did they beat teams at the top of the league? But we knew they could do that. But it wasn't a, a mentality of competing every night. And I think that's the part that's the big step for the Pelicans this year is that you have enough guys now on the roster that you feel you are going to compete, not have the talent to play against, but that are going to compete against everybody every night. And I think that, to me, is is, is a very good position for the Pelicans to be in. And it's a reason for optimism, but I think it, it also shows the commitment to this is not an overnight thing. You know, Trajan is still very serious about that. There's, I, I think, it, you know, he, Willie, David Griffin, whomever, they've had these discussions that this is not a fully formed team yet. We're not going to run away with the, the expectations. Our expectations is we want to see 82 games of competition. Ollie. Yeah, exactly. I mean, McManaman was trying to trick him into saying, well, I think we're a top four team or top six team. I love, yeah, the way he answered that question. And it's everything that we already kind of assumed with this team based on how they finished last year to the roster that's carrying over, right, to the improvement that we saw. And I think that's probably the next thing that we should talk about here, right? I think we've all covered Dyson Daniels. So let's talk about Trey Murphy, who mm-hmm. honestly I thought started off as trying to do way too much. We all saw that, right? trying to dribble um wasn't really happening got a couple travel calls you know i remember clear the one where he's in the mid post right caught it try to go over the left shoulder spin baseline and just completely walked with it he was just for some reason or other i don't know what it was was he trying to show that he has indeed deepened his skill set especially the ball handling part or was he just nerves or trying to act the leader right because he is now considered one of the leaders at least on this summer league team but either way it wasn't happening in that first quarter, but defensively, and I'm glad Fish was talking about social media. I love what he's doing defensively, right? The active hands, being in the right positions, making really hard rotations, and that led to a few automatic steals for him. Mm-hmm. And so you saw the effort level, and that's what we're talking about, right? That's what you're talking about, Grub. I think the Pels are going to be able to outcompete just about every team they play, and I'm hoping it approaches Memphis Grizzly levels, right, that we've seen the last year or two. So Trey kind of showed it, but it was even better that he calmed down, right? He liked let the offense come to him. He wasn't trying to create. I mean, how bad was he? He was just trying to bring the ball up the court um, at one point, right, during the game, crossed half-court lines, was determined to keep driven with the right uh, hand, keep going in straight lines, and bulldoze whoever it was on the other team for a charge. Yeah, Trey still got a ways to go with the ball hang, but everything else I saw was positive. And that one-for-nine three-point shooting uh, performance, that's an anomaly. That's not going to keep happening. Trust us, guys. And I'm sure the Pels fans that really watch this team know that. Yeah, he had he had a really one awful game in summer league shooting from three last year, and everybody's like, "Well, what happened to his shooting that night?" It happens, and I, I think you're right. And and 
Uh, Fish, I'll let you go. Yeah, right. I mean, think about it. He had an air ball. I just remember he had an air ball, right? When did Mm -hmm. Trey shoot air balls? It was a wide open three air ball. Yeah, something was up with him last night. Nerves, something, right? Fish, wouldn't you think that in year two, I mean, again, he's the guy coming back and he looks at it and he's like, in the front court, who's supposed to score but me? You know, Mm -hmm. you look around that group and you say, I'm supposed to score here. And I think, and also the lack of having someone who can set you up. You know, this isn't, it wasn't the same group. It wasn't getting those, the transition plays and, and things that they got. And he he was, he had the chances he had to handle the ball. He was much more decisive, it, I felt, last year. Like it was, he wasn't doing six dribbles. He was doing two, three hard dribbles and going. And he didn't do that last night. But I think there was some pressure. But overall, Fish, you could go off of this. I, I think, again, Trey is showing. He rebounded. He got to the free throw line. He got turnovers. He created turnovers. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you're going to miss shots some nights, but you know, like you pointed out, seven of eight inside the line. Well, I mean, a couple of things on that. Um, one, he's coming back um, summer league after being a mainstay in the rotation in the playoffs. Um, and he's in summer league. He shouldn't just go out there, especially when the Pelicans didn't have a point guard. Um, but even early on, like he shouldn't go out there and just play the same role that he does for the Pelicans, like extend himself. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's the philosophy of most of the big, you know, franchises that have, you know, a well-developed, um, development plan for their players is that they're going to send them to the summer league that second year and they're going to ask them to do stuff that they will hardly ever be asked to do, you know, in the role as, as it's drawn up for them coming into this season. Um, So, yeah, I mean, failure is going to be part of that always. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's, he's doing, he's doing more stuff, you know, off the dribble and stuff like that than he's, he's ever done. Like there's, there's no clips of him trying to do that kind of stuff when he was at Virginia, when he was at Rice, like he's, he he hasn't had that kind of freedom, but the Pelicans are giving him that freedom to do that because, I mean, he needs to, you know, develop his bag of, you know, what are my go-tos and, and how am I going to create shots? Um, the thing that jumped out to me about Trey was the fact that even though a lot of that self-creation and his shot behind the arc wasn't going, you still got the full Trey Murphy experience all the other places. You got tons of deflections. He had four steals. Mm-hmm. He probably had like eight or ten deflections. His arms are everywhere. Um, offensive rebounds. Um, a handful of really impressive, just ridiculous dunks from somebody that's as tall as he is. Um, you still got all of that. Like, he is not just a shooter. That's that's the thing, Grub, you and I always say. Like, and the Pelicans aren't putting him into that tiny little box. Hey, just just go out there, stand in the corner and, and knock down shots when the ball comes to you. So um I'm I, I'm I'm encouraged that the Pelicans are giving him this latitude to try to do more. Mm-hmm. And that's I'm not surprised. Point, yeah. I'm not surprised that it hasn't gone well yet. Um that's not to say that I wouldn't, you know be ecstatic if it was going well but i i expect that tomorrow he's probably going to go out and he's going to try to do some of the same stuff like they're the pelicans are going to give him the ball and ask him to create his own shot and maybe he needs to do a little less in terms of you know the settling for pull-up threes or 
you know, maybe he has a much better shooting night and he's just raining fire on team back there because that's what he can do. And at six foot, what, 10, 10 and a half, however tall he is at this point, um, he can shoot over anybody that, you know, any summer league team is going to try to guard him with. He can, or any NBA team once he gets up, you know, when the Pelicans are playing in the regular season. So just keep doing it. Um, and then all the rest of it is still there. Um, and if anything, it's just getting better. Charlie, would you tell me what you think of this comparison? It's it's like reverse engineering Brandon Ingram in a way with, with Trey Murphy. Because Ingram came in, couldn't shoot the three. Ingram came in, you know, at, with high defensive expectations, but struggled to get to get up to those. Um, and was much more, you know, trying to find his way his first couple years um, offensively in the NBA. And then it kind of clicked. With Trey, he comes in with the with the, the outside shot ready made. He's already a very solid defender and rebounder. But the thing that he has to work on are the non-athletic plays that they the get like like uh, Fish just went through. But it, it seems that there's a a similar type arc that could be with both their games. Charlie. Oh. Charlie's chomping at the bit to answer this too, I bet. Uh, no, I am. I am very excited to answer that because I think that's a brilliant uh, deconstruction of this because, I mean, not only – you can look at it individually as, like, the, the person as well. Ingram was a high-caliber recruit, cousin to Duke, uh, top pick, you know, somebody that was had high expectations, uh, whereas Murphy was, you know, low-level recruit, late bloomer, rice transfer to Virginia, like – there's a lot of interesting parallels in that respect if, you, if you're really looking at what they could see Murphy becoming. And I think we've, we could all agree that we've seen flashes where, like, he'll make some moves and he'll do some stuff that you're like, maybe there is some real untapped creation potential mm-hmm. there. Um, and uh, I've seen some people mentioning uh, online about certain things like about, you know, potentially like uh, Richard Lewis as a comp, uh, as a comp for him. <laughs> and I don't necessarily think that they're like, I don't think he's got the athleticism. I don't know. Like he, like, I don't know. It feels a little clunky in some respects, um, but I, I see where their heads are at. Like as far as like spot up shooter can kind of space the floor for the freak athlete. But I do think there's some real, possibility like like as far as him growing into something that can be more of a creator more of a threat more of an offensive uh focal point uh to a degree uh the shot's insane like i I just love his jump shot i think it's just effortless and and smooth and like he just needs to continue to to keep developing and i think he's got like this weird athleticism like he's not going to go be doing between the legs reverse you know things like we've seen zion do recently but he's got like this powerful, you know, leaping ability and stuff. And if he can keep getting, you know, keep do, doing this Godzilla growth chart that he's got going on, um, maybe he's the. No, he doesn't need to do anymore, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's huge. He's huge. I mean, he even had to cut his hair because he was getting too damn tall. Um, so, like, I was just kind of taken aback at how big he felt on the court yesterday at times. And like, especially with that big dunk he got, or he got a few of them, I guess, but like the, the, there was one where I was just like, God dang, he just looks huge. Um, and the way he's able to just move and dominate and everything like that, if they're going to re- be able to kind of keep pushing him and giving him that kind of freedom and leeway to kind of 
maybe not run second units this year, but at least be the primary offensive option on those second units and really trying to get him to kind of unleash any extra creativity that he's got with the ball. That 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 would be excellent. <laughs> Uh, for this team's health long term, as far as just being able to just add another a, a serious threat, because I mean we've got a we've got a time what what two or three years left on CJ and and JV if if this team were to stay together theoretically, right. like so you know they've got a little bit of time for him to grow into that, but he can be like I I have no no doubt that he I think he could be like the pseudo successor to like their offensive firepower. Yeah, I you see think it he too. To improve on, oh, I was just going to say real quick, jump off what mm-hmm. Charlie said was we both saw, right? The ball handling without a doubt, he's got to improve to where he feels comfortable doing change of direction. You name it, reacting to the defense. Second thing, footwork. I think we saw it on that travel call, but especially uh, you guys remember he had a drive uh, down the middle of the lane end up in the middle of the lane but he went off the wrong foot to try to shoot a right hand to go into his left on the left side of the rim right so it's just if he could get the footwork and the dribbling i think that would open up the world because i think he stinks the game at a very high level mm-hmm. it's the execution part right yeah we've seen i mean we've seen that he could contribute when he's not scoring we saw that you know all through the mm-hmm, playoffs exactly. and, and during the regular season he's made some good passes too you know we've caught in the past right yeah, he's a, he, he, he knows what he's supposed to do. And I, I think the biggest lane, thing for him yep, is the cuts, everything, yeah. He's still adjusting to his body. Like, I think that that is still a huge thing. When you're growing, that is a constant part of adjustment because every, your angles are constantly changing. Your feel mm-hmm, is changing. True. Your feet are – your footwork has to change because your body is changing. But I think that you look at him, and if he's a guy who can play the three and the four legitimately at 6'10", and I, and I think that the thing that separates him from a guy that, like I don't like the Rashard Lewis comparisons because I don't think Rashard Lewis was ever the kind of rebounder that we see that, that Trey can be. Like Trey on the offensive glass is nasty. Defender either, right? I mean, or defender. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say defender. Or yeah. defender. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Trey is a legit, you know, another guy who could be a, a top tier. I don't know if he's at all NBA, but he's a top, he could be a top tier defense, defender for you. And his ability, his ability to create extra positions for you is something that Lewis didn't have either. Um, I just, I, I love Trey's game. Um, but then when you look at that in comparison to Najee, I think a two for 12 out of Najee is far more concerning to me because he ain't supposed to ever be in a position where he misses 10 of his 12 shots. They shouldn't be coming in areas where that they're, the, the percentages are that low. Fish? Fish, you want to go? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the Najee experience. <laughs> sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not, man. Um, I, I think he settled too many times for like to make three point shots. Um, just keep on going to the basket. Um, I think. I, I mean, I love Fish, Najee. those in the first quarter. <laughs> I love Najee, but looks. like it, it, like Najee has those like those bad Tyreek games essentially. And that was, that was one of them. I, I don't, I don't, I mean, he kind of is what he is at this point. I yeah. don't think he's regressing. I just think he, there's not a whole lot of progressing either. Um, And he just is what it is. And you hope, I mean, if he can give you what the Pelicans, what he actually gave the Pelicans last year, and then he can shoot a little bit better behind the arc and it can be more like, you know, the 1920, I mean, I mean the 2021 
version of Naji instead of the 21-22 just behind the arc, but just do all the rest of it, he'll be fine. But I, I'm as, especially with somebody like Naji, where I've seen him play NBA minutes, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not taking much of anything from summer league. No, it's just you don't want to see him. Like I said, his shot selection is what it is. To me, and, and we're talking about a guy on the Pelicans roster that is essentially the 10th or 11th player. You know, so so if Najee's your 10th or 11th, then you're still okay. I mean, like, like realistically, what you're expecting out of the Pelicans is Najee is, again, a guy who gets maybe eight minutes a game, maybe, and there will be nice he gets a lot of DNBs. If yeah, I mean, cool. yeah, so. Yeah. No, you guys were you guys were doing player comps on Trey Murphy, and mm-hmm. I've got one. You got to be you guys are all old enough, um, but the thing that that jumps out to me on him, I I think more deadlift shrimp. I know that's old, um, hmm. and it, it it's strange, but um, I I see a lot of deadlift shrimp in his his game in a good a way. A little more athleticism, but yeah, I see what you're talking about. Yeah, he's powerful. Deadlift like that. wasn't that's that defender for me. No, I, I think he's talking about offensive set wise and yeah, things like yeah. that. Um, yeah, because I mean, shrimp, shrimp, yeah, he, he, he attacked the glass. Like mm-hmm. he, he he can do the he can do shrimp the rebound. Was a legit seven does. eight rebounder, eight rebounder yeah. game, game guy. Yeah, and he, I mean he was a tremendous pure shooter. Um, even oh, yeah. at the time, and a guy so. who could post up. Yep, he could post up and he could pass. Also learned, you know, out of the post. He had a couple of moves where he could get to the rim with the dribble. Right, that's what Trey can learn. Yeah, I can see it, fish. And Detlef was six ten, right? Yep. Yeah. 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 Remember, Detlef is the 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 guy who inspired, of course, Dirk. You know, the shrimp begat Dirk. So you know, it's it's the he's the original long, tall German who had the outside shot. Um, hey, real quick before we jump off of Najee, I just really quickly want to say I was wondering about this after the game because, yeah, Najee bad shooting performance, but. If you remember last summer league, what did he do? He ended up getting to a lot of the spots where he's better from. Like, for instance, I remember mid-range, especially in that first summer league game last mm-hmm. year. He must have pulled up and hit at least, what, four or five of them. Didn't see that at all yesterday. So I'm wondering if the coaching staff is kind of pressuring him. you got to shoot the three, especially if you're open, right? Because we didn't see mm-hmm. Najee start get comfortable, I think, until the start of the second quarter where he made a cut, I believe, baseline Got uh, and, and scored at the rim, got to the free throw line. But before that, he was just awful. Missed three wide open threes in that first quarter and he even missed a putback, right? He grabbed an offensive rebound and just missed it. And he just wasn't into it at all offensively. So I was just wondering if there's something more to it. Like, for instance, Fish, well, give me the idea is you talking about maybe the Pelicans coaching staff is like, this is your time to develop as much as you want. Work on yeah. the things no matter how bad it looks, it doesn't matter. So I'm wondering if the same applied to Najee yesterday, right? So shoot the three. Because if you're that's mm-hmm. going to be your ticket on getting maybe more minutes, right? So if Najee shows it, then boom, he gets in. If not, he's got to keep working at it. So that's why I'm not hard on Najee either. I know he did. Just look- the 0 for 4 for 3 isn't that bad, but it's 2 for 8 inside the line, three point arc. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like, yeah, like he missed missing a couple the of bunnies. Yeah, he normally makes. Yeah, that's I agree. the thing. And that's what it's like, is right. It happens. You're not counting so. on him to make three threes in a night. You know what I'm saying? Like, if yeah, he but does, that's... Yeah, those were big. There was no playmaking outside of Najee once Daniels left. None. I mean... No, none. Well, I mean, that's... That, to me, the fact that there was no playmaking helps explain. I mean, because Portland does have, you know, the summer league Cards. roster they rolled out has a lot of long, athletic big men yeah. who jump and They met and the Pels at the rim a few times. Rim. Yeah, it's surprising. Um... So, oh, Trendon um, Watford, 
Trendon Watford was, I mean, he yeah, so. is so much better than he was at LSU already. I don't know why this happens with LSU big men, but we saw it with Nas Reed, and now we're seeing it with Trendon Watford, but they get much better when they get away from LSU. Yeah. And I think that's the same thing with Tari Eason now we're going to see. Yeah. So, but I, I just, I don't, I mean, we saw last year um, Herb Jones in summer league couldn't make a layup. And I don't exactly. ever remember thinking, you know, mm-hmm. during during the games that actually mattered in the regular season that, oh, you know, Herb's, Herb's finishing at the rim is a big problem. So I, I don't take a whole lot away from that kind of stuff. And again, like, a, as soon as Jose's not playing and then Dyson rolls his ankle and you don't have point guards on the floor and you just have a whole bunch of guys who are trying to do some stuff, and they don't have somebody out there that's giving them, you know, the easy, you know, back cuts and, you know, layups and, and things like that and beating guys off of the pick and roll. Like w- once you take all of, you know, you, you take all the good stuff, the easy stuff off the plate and everybody just has to, the only thing that's, that's happening on the floor is everybody's trying to get theirs. Um, that that's, that's just not a situation where you're going to have a lot of success. And it is a situation where I think that I would not be surprised if we saw Jose um, tomorrow night just for the Pelicans looking around and being like, you know what we need is we need some competence out there because it's mm-hmm. going to make things easier for those guys to do the things that we want them to do and to not, you know, latch on to like some yeah, bad I mean, habits. Yeah, Liddell was a ghost mainly because there was no point guard out there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he like he's, he can't. Yeah. Go ahead, Fish. And if you're not going to no, put I mean, him in the post, right, and throw the ball right. into him, then how's he going to score, right? You, or they, if he's not going to come up, yeah, if you're not going to run him in pick and roll sets, if you're not going to, you know, do things that get him active, yeah. He, oh, there if was you're no making, movement. No, yeah, he's just stationary nothing. at his size. It doesn't it, – it, it makes him smaller. If he's stationary, it just makes him smaller. And so, you know, the big thing about him, the overcoming of his size, was that he moved so well, and, and he just didn't get that opportunity. There was no motion. In the Pelicans' offense, no. Yeah, do, Greb, keep talking to me, Jay Liddell. Let's t- touch on them, guys, because I'm sure fans are wondering, what the heck, man? This guy was supposed to be a heck of a catch landing in the second round, and he, what, scores one bucket and basically did nothing else. So, Greb, go ahead. Yeah, go into I, I, more depth, and we'll go around. I mean, this, was, this is not the setup that works for him. You know, like, when you don't have ball movement, you, you are putting him in positions where – what is he supposed to do offensively? There is no screen for him to set. There's no pop, you know, for him to go to. There's no, there's no, and then there was nothing for him really. The way the shot selection was, they were shooting so poorly from three. He's not going to get those offensive rebounds in those cases. He was just put, I think, in bad situations. It wasn't about him. It's his first game. So, I mean, again, what do you expect as, as far as the high end? But as far as what he was doing on the floor, I don't think he was doing anything wrong. I just think he was just not put in situations that were advantageous to him. And, and I think that, that we'll see – you see what happens against Atlanta. You see we'll, – he'll get more opportunities than everybody else in this group because I don't think Trey is going to play a whole bunch of minutes the rest of the way. I think he'll get – you know, he'll get his opportunities. But they're not trying to wear him out in the summer league. Um, they just want to see how he's grown. But with a guy like EJ that you are thinking about investing real draft, uh, you know, real draft capital in and money in, then you're going to give him better opportunities. And I think that's the thing to go do in film before they get to Atlanta and say, how do we make it easier for EJ to get some confidence? 
Uh, and there was just nothing for him in game one. Fish or Charlie? I, I, I didn't take a whole lot from it. I mean, the thing is, is that, especially when you're talking about somebody like EJ Liddell, EJ Liddell, the last time he was playing competitive basketball at Ohio State, the ball went through him all the time. Like Malachi Branham scored off of EJ Liddell. He is coming into a completely different situation, and then there's no point guard. Like, I'm not, I'm just, Saturday, like, I, I just, I forgot about the tape. Like, it's, um, it's, it's like the HBO show um, Westworld now where he's like, I, he looks at something, he's <laughs> like, I, I don't even know what this is. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just, I, I, I'm just now throwing I'm that out. You know who I saw out there? You know what's scary to me? I thought I saw Dante Cunningham, right? Go stand in the corner. Right, and that's what they it seemed like they relegated him to on half of the offensive possession. I, mean, I don't think that's what they attempt. wanted to do. His, I just yeah. What was his first shot attempt? Wasn't it an out of bounds three that he airballed? Was that it, guys? You remember that he caught it, was wide open, shot an airball from a stationary yeah. position. He's he wasn't that guy at Ohio State. I, I completely agree with Fish. Yeah, I think he just wanted. He, you know, you're trying to get a shot up. You want to get some touch. You know what I'm saying? Like, how does the ball feel? I haven't shot the ball. And I think that there's always. I don't care who you are. I don't care if it's summer league or whatever. You come in there, not a lot of guys can just walk in that first game and be like, not feel the pressure, you know, not feel the eyeballs. It's different. It's different. And I'm not, again, it's game one. And they didn't have no idea. The guys on the floor have no familiarity with him or his game. And you have no real point guard out there. I'm not mad at him. I'm not mad at EJ Liddell at all. You know what I mean? Like, let's see. You know, give him a couple. He's going to get, I think he's going to get 20 plus minutes the rest of the way. He didn't get that in game one. Um, You know, it depends on his contract status, I think, too. But I think they want to play him more as they go forward. But it's just who are you going to play him with if they don't have any guards? Charlie, you got anything to add that we haven't mentioned on Liddell? No, not really on Liddell. Again, you guys have all touched on it. I mean, like, we're going to have more to see from him. And that was kind of just like a, uh ghost experience uh first game a lot of stuff happening a few things going wrong dyson getting hurt yeah it's just kind of a wash i'm curious to see what if he if they try and put the ball in his hands more especially if they pull trey which i i think they i don't know if they will or not if i mean when when dyson went down i'm like okay so they're gonna pull like trey and naji next next game is my guess just because you know I don't know, you want to hedge on not getting injured. Um, so part of me would be really curious to see if if you just kind of handed it over to to run the team through Liddell like that offensively, maybe just just see what he can do. Um, I'm curious because, you know, our, our, our other uh, second rounder was uh, interesting, to say the least. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I think if you, uh, when we talk about Makovic, you, you, look, they said he was two years away. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and you he can looked see it, that. Yeah. He, he's, he's not ready. He's, uh, and the biggest thing for any big that you're asking for to come into the NBA immediately is physically are you ready and can you play defense? And he's not ready to play NBA-level defense, and he's not physically ready. He doesn't even like, understand it. Yeah. No. I saw Najee no. trying to explain one of his illegal deeds to him during uh, a free throw. I'm not it's convinced much. that that was the same person that we even saw on scouting tape at this point. But, the, you know, it Europe was, is yeah. so different. There's zone. Yeah, There's yeah, all these. True, Charlie. Yeah, that's true. It, it's just a completely different game. And I think, you know, he has no 
experience playing at, at in really uh, an NBA type environment. So I, I think, yeah, I, I think if he was, he's not, if he sees any time this year again, that's because there's something dire happening. I think he's they're they're sending him back overseas, but this is an opportunity yeah. for him to. Oh, learn. you're not going to see him yet. He's not even going to be on the NBA contract. They're just going to have mm-hmm. his draft rights. There's no way no. he's playing. No, no, no. So and the only other guys that you, that you look at this group and you say realistically, who are you evaluating? Is you look at Jared Harper and like we've already talked about with him. I don't think we need to rehash it. He's a chucker and he chucked shots and he all chucks, of them yeah. in some. Well, you, you need scores. But I'll tell you what, he he couldn't play make at all. And my biggest thing was defensively. I rewatched some of it. He is so bad defensively, guys. He can't play NBA minutes just because he can't defend, right? Portland got going in that second quarter because, one, Pelicans were turning it over like crazy, but, two, they were taking advantage of Harper, just shooting over him. Or when he was rotating, guess what? He was like a moth, basically, out there. They were just going over, around him, whatever. I mean, there was breakdowns galore. Who does that remind you of? Take your pick of any small guard, man. (laughs) On the Pelicans? Anybody? Guy likes to shoot a bunch. Defense picks him out as soon as he gets on the court, undersized. I don't Who was know. It Nate Robinson, you're trying to say? No, I'm trying to talk about Devontae Graham. Oh, uh, okay. Duh. I've blocked him out already. I'll tell you what, like, Devontae just... does so much more defensively than what I saw of Jared yesterday. I'll be, I mean, just to be honest. But that, that, that's, you're calling it a low bar then, man. Because remember, I mean, no, it is. I know it is, but I'm telling you, that's how I, I was, I was offended by what Jared was doing defensively. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 you know what? I, the guy that I wanted to see that we didn't see a lot of that is intriguing as kind of a two way long term project is John Butler out of Florida yeah. State. Um, God, I mean, of all the people that the Pelicans have ever had that needs to eat a sandwich, he needs to eat one like every 15 minutes. Every hour on the hour. <laughs> yeah. So, um, be eating on the bench. <laughs> yes. Um, but, um, that's the one guy that I was hoping to see because he seems like the kind of guy that the Pelicans end up getting on that second two way. Um, and he just spends all of his time in Birmingham and it's like kind of like the super long play. Because I, I believe he was pretty highly um, recruited um, and, and ranked coming out of high school. He was. Seven foot one. They list him at 174 pounds. Um, <laughs> it looked at, I haven't it. I've never seen a thinner. Have you guys oh. ever seen a thinner NBA player? I haven't. <laughs> I haven't seen a thinner NBA player. But I'm pretty Newpole sure they'll thin, right? I, Grub, you remember I, I, this. I, I played Grub, fish. When's Tom. the last time y'all were 174 pounds? I'll take <laughs> I was I was in the 10th grade, I think, when I was <laughs> last time I was 174 pounds. I was in the 10th grade. But I graduated the, but high school because I, I, I'm pretty sure the the last time I played against a seven footer in high school, um, I was playing up against a guy who was like seven foot, like 180 pounds, and I moved this guy around all over the court, man. I, I guess the only guy I could compare it, it playing it growing up in New Orleans was I played against Dwayne Spencer and Dwayne was about seven feet and, and maybe weighed 180 pounds um, when he went to college. But Dwayne looked bigger than that. Like yeah, it's just, Collins was thin. I mean, he's hard to see thin. on the screen. He's, he's, he's skinny. He looks like I mean, there's CGI going on. I swear to God, he looks like a magic <laughs> man out he's there. He's a creative player. And somebody was like, you know, because, you know, uh, 2K punishes you for putting pounds on. You can't jump as high. If you, the more weight you put on your player, even if it's like 220, like all of a sudden you can't jump. And you're like, what the hell? 
Yeah, I think he's he's like somebody was like, let me just bring the weight down to 174 and I'll be able to fly. Yeah. But <laughs> he's stretched out. I mean, he's going to have to get strength, obviously. Like, it's just eat and get in the weight room all day. Yeah, there was this one rebound, defensive rebound. He was going to go up for it, and he got pushed so easily underneath the rim. I'm like, man, this guy's – like, we, we made fun of Jackson Hayes, right? It was 100 times worse. Okay, yeah, but, yeah. like, that's that's the one guy that I'm interested in is, like, just, like, a super long-term like, – Oh, for when, sure. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is an absolute, like, we're either going to, like, get a hit and it's awesome or this – you will never hear about this guy in 36 months. What I you mean – well, if you want to find out, the one thing that you're going to have to find out from him is, does he have that natural timing to block shots? Yep. That's the one thing you're looking for is, can he affect the game in short amounts of time by protecting the rim? Mm-hmm. And if in two years, because that's what you're looking at. Like, you're like, like you said, this is a down-the-road projection because he wasn't a pick. He's a guy you brought in. He should be in Birmingham. If he goes to Birmingham and he's blocking four and five shots a night, and you say, okay, we got something you can build with. Because yep. at the very least, that's the one skill Four that you know you don't Damn, have. Bro, you're setting the bar high. I'm you just saying, you know, what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Shot blockers show that they're shot blockers. It, it, that's the, I've always said that. People yep. who are shot blockers, it, it, it's very quick that you realize who is and who is not. And that's why I've mm-hmm. always said that you can't, that Jackson Hayes can't be, and I hate using him over and over again, but he's the only guy on the roster that you would say is supposed to be blocking shots. I never saw it. I never saw that natural ability. And people were like, well, you can learn it. No, you can't. Herb showed you. Herb showed you that the timing of a shot blocker, no matter what the position, is something you either have or you don't. You know what I'm saying? So that's what you, that's the only thing that that really the, the first thing you're looking for out of out of him is, man, can you block shots? Because if you can, you bring something to this table that we don't have. It looks like he's got good mobility. I mean, the few minutes that we You better have good mobility. You can push him with the... There's been, like, tall guys that are skinny. They just don't move, right? They, they still look like they got concrete speed. But this guy looked like he's got speed. It's just like, I, I didn't see anything else other than the yeah, lack of strength. Hopefully we see him play at least 10, 12 minutes next game. I think he, he probably will because it's so, as some of the other the guys who actually are on the roster start pulling back their minutes. And you start giving these guys more minutes because they're not trying to. It's it's a different thing than last year. It's just a completely different mode than last year, where you were counting on guys to come out of summer league and and trying to that that you needed to to take up minutes. Now you got too many players and not enough minutes. It's a completely different situation. So I think it's just I think he'll get an opportunity. It's just maybe against Atlanta. Um, that's the next game tomorrow night. Uh, well, I guess when this airs Monday night. Um, they play the Hawks, who lost their first game of the um, summer league as well. So I don't know who's going to play for the Hawks. The lineups aren't set. Um, but uh, guys, if there's one thing you're looking for, Charlie, we'll start with you. What's the one thing you want to see in game two of summer league? Oh well, since Dyson's almost certainly out, I just I want to see EJ. I really do. I'd love to see more. Uh, Get this guy involved. Get get let him let him cook. Like let, let's see what he can do against, against other NBA talent uh, or for potential NBA talent, as we should say. Um, 
and, and see what he's got and if he can take control and just kind of uh, assert himself. Uh, we've seen him do it. We know he did it at Ohio State. We know he's got, you know, at least had he's got it there. I just want to see him in a Pels uniform doing it uh, in summer league. That's, that's what I'm most interested in seeing. Um, and besides that is just whether or not they keep Trey and, and Najee out there anymore and if they hedge at all in bringing Jose into into this team, which I, I would doubt. Fish? Um, I mean, if Jose and Dyson don't play, um, I, I hope <laughs> that I see more. I, I, I hope that I see more um, John Butler, just so we can kind of get something to evaluate with. Um, and then I'm with Charlie in terms of EJ. The other guys that are, you know, Najee and Trey, um, their performance in Las Vegas is, is not going to sway me negatively. Maybe if they're just like incredible and and Trey comes out and like drops 40 or something, then it can be just like, yep, shut him down. He's way too good for this. Ollie? Yeah, since you guys have touched on everybody else, I'm going to say one name we haven't even talked about tonight, Darion Sebron. I was hoping to see something out of him um, on Saturday, and I didn't see anything, right? He got his limits, first of all, were very limited, and he looked a little timid, didn't do anything that I kind of thought we would expect, right? I have a combo guard that's very athletic and loves to take it to the rim, didn't see any of that. Um, saw a guy that was just kind of going through the motions out there in terms of not trying to, I don't know, be aggressive on a single play, which I didn't quite understand considering that's who he is. Because he, when we talked to him um, after practice, like last week, he had compared himself, like the first name he mentioned, to Jonte Murray, right? He mentioned guys like that of his ilk, where, you know, he's fast, quick as lightning, likes to rebound, likes to get to the rim, and can do all those things at his size. And like I said, I didn't see any of that. So I'm hoping we see that, because the Pels have already committed a two-way contract to him. And usually, you know, hey, Jose Alvarado, they've done pretty well in identifying that type of undrafted talent. So I hope to see at least something out of him uh, against the Hawks. For me, the one thing that I'm looking for is some cohesion, that guys realize that the, the biggest thing that the Pelicans are looking for is how do you play the game of basketball, not how many points you got. And I think that um, a lot of these guys would be better served by understanding play this game as a team. Um, you know, whether you win or lose, I don't care. The, the W's and L's don't matter in the summer. There's no, I don't, I don't care if the NBA is giving out a ring. That shit don't matter to me. Um, it's, it's how do they play? And I think that was the thing last year that, that meant so much. It was the reason you were so excited. And again, it wasn't, the, the scores were the byproduct of how they played. You know, they played as a group, even though these guys didn't know each other last year, they played as a group. And I want to see more of that. Can they come together and at least play cohesively? on offense and defense and try to, you know, come out from the beginning with energy. They didn't look like they had a bunch of energy um, as a group uh, in game one. So hopefully there's more energy and just esprit de corps in game two against the Hawks. All right, guys, I think we've uh, hit it. Um, Unless there's any final words that anybody wants to get in any final words, gentlemen. No, we covered everything. I thought that we needed to right? Zion in the first game and yeah, all our thoughts on it. So, you know, Pelicans fans, again, this is this is not real basketball. This is this is an opportunity to, to see some things, to learn some <laughs> things, but it's not 
for real. It's this is yeah, I mean, there's nobody screaming fire Jaron Collins, fire Willie Green, fire David yeah. Griffin. What the yeah, hell? This guy's like? not gonna, why did you draft it? No, slow <laughs> down, slow Man. down. It, it's gonna be okay. These, this is not even like this is not your team. <laughs> this, this is not your team. Yeah. These are not the New Orleans Pelicans. This is the New Orleans Pelicans summer league representatives. So let's just remember that and enjoy the fact that we get five games of basketball here in July um, while we wait for the regular the preseason and the regular season to come in September and October. Um, until the next time, I'm David Grubb for David Fisher, Charlie Gonzalez, and Ali Cosell. This has been the Bird Calls, and in the words of our friend Preston Ellis, let's go Pelicans. for listening to the bird calls on the armchair all-american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today